Welcome. You are listening to Nard Bites, a Dungeons and Dragons show where we discuss various topics about D&D and all other TTRPGs. Enter at your own risk, but beware, things may get Welcome back to the show. It is I, Grognard, the young, the young Grognard, with another Nard Bite. After the last episode, uh, I think the next topic to bring up would be, I don't, hmm, I'm thinking the best way to put this. I guess it would probably be old school style character action descriptions, as well as the power of Ronnie making things canon. I, I think we need to, we need to, Consult the power of Ronnie making things canon. You know, I found this interesting little note somewhere where somebody said an easy way to make theater of the mind gameplay like we do a little bit easier to follow is to characterize the combatants that you're dealing with or the room or whatever. So what I started doing is I started in-game labeling certain characters as having, you know, feathers or not feathers or one's tall or one's short or one's skinny or one's chubby. But I do appreciate that when describing one of them as not having the feathers, it was described as being the naked one. And, you know, it's like little things like that that make running jokes in the game. And I think that probably the best part about a game like this is is having just running jokes because that naked one line i bet you like hundred dollars right now that if in one year's time if we're not playing this game anymore or whatever and we ever hang out again and i mentioned the naked one and praising the naked one we're all gonna know what it means and i think that the true beauty of a game like this is that it's like like these dumb inside jokes that mean nothing to anybody but three people on planet Earth or four people on planet Earth, you know? But all four of those people are instantly transported back. So, I mean, do you guys feel the same way about this? Because, like, I collect these running jokes and yeah. I absolutely live for them. I didn't think of it as a joke when I said it. I just... Well, <laughs> I know, but it's just... Mind. But that's how that stuff always yeah. goes, though, is that it's it, like, it you know... spun out from one thing you said and then Dan reacting to it, and then I think I was the one who said that it sounds like an Eldritch horror Eldric from Beyond the Stars, and now, yeah. now we have the naked one. We birthed into being a dark god of the universe. And now... <laughs> Like, personally, I don't like taking these kind of, like, I know we joke about it being like Ronnie made a canon, and that's probably going to continue longer into the show. Who knows? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But I don't believe in, like, making things, like, actually exist in the game world if somebody jokes about that. I think the power of yes and, like, yes and and all that stuff is very important to a game. But I think that things should sometimes live in that subverse text there where it's like there's the like the main gameplay that happens and then we take a sides where we're like the naked one praise the naked one nobody's actually talking about a naked one but like that's i think where the humor in the game should live you know what i mean it's that sort of like game outside of the game where we recognize that we're players and we dick around and joke about that stuff and we say like i punch her in the face no could you imagine like that level of like we can laugh at the game without bringing it into it you know what i mean I think we had a running joke while we were in the swamps too, where uh, Anton and Norhill would just continually sink into the like swampy water, like and just get a bunch of gross swamp stuff in their boots because like they're wearing full armor and it's just the ground soft and 
gross. Yeah. And Jarzak can make it rain. So <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like the raining joke. Like that's another one that's not it's not it's not particularly like funny by any means, but the fact that it keeps coming up is what makes it funny. You know what I mean? But I, I do feel like the those inside jokes are what the game's really about. But let's go back to something a little bit more substantive and talk about I guess Ronnie, I want you to be the one to talk about this and like why it is that you probably I don't want to say more than other people, but I've noticed you do this a lot. Like, why is it that when you, you know, were in that chamber and you saw the crystally skull thing, like you didn't say I roll for investigation. Instead, you immediately went to like deal with the details. Is that just because the detail itself was more prevalent than the skill set? Or did you just like, when you're playing the game, are you more of like a... Uh... Well, you immediately said something to do with the eyes and I knew right away, like, okay this is being set up like a puzzle he mentioned eyes and like gotta know something i think ronnie just pays attention <laughs> that could just be one you know i feel like that's the end of the nard bite well, you know, someone it, has to it reminds me of some of the old school games that we played where you know there weren't expansive skill sets and there wasn't like a list of like ways to roll dice to to sort of get answers and instead you had to do things with your hands and describe things and painful at times painful detail and i just didn't know if ronnie you felt like that was maybe like i don't know uh, a habit built from that or if maybe this is just like oh yeah you think okay. so oh yeah i can't think of how many times i've been in games with puzzles and because we didn't pay attention to a certain word or phrase given to us a, pu a puzzle that should have <laughs> taken like five minutes took like two hours yeah <laughs> Are you thinking about Akinogas? I'm thinking about a lot of things that we were put through in two years' but, time. <laughs> so I guess the question is now, like, which which playstyle do you guys prefer? Do you prefer to have the the skill and just do investigate to do that, or do you prefer to have it be like a skillless? We have to explain every action kind of way. Because personally. I prefer to not have the skills for it and instead uh, allow people to sort of roll a relevant skill after they've described what it is they're trying to do. I know in a perfect world, that would be amazing and make every game very descriptive and illustrative and everything. But like in a real world example, when our episodes are only like an hour long, we can't have everybody describing every single action. You get yeah. that game blow. I think this the skills is like a nice fallback if like uh, people just aren't picking up on something but it's like okay but you are looking around the general area it's like all right now because uh, you just aren't seeing it you could do the skill and then maybe you get a little bite out of it right and i th i think that you know what you hinted at a second ago or what you said about you know how it's a nice fallback I kind of, it bothers me when that's the case, that there's a fallback, because it feels almost like if there was like a word puzzle or a number puzzle and a DM is kind of in a, in a crunch for time. So they say, just roll an intelligence check and I'll give you a hint. <laughs> like that kind of thing can work. And I can see how it can be nice because I'm yeah, not exactly an 18 intelligence wizard who's lived 700 years. I don't have that kind of intelligence to me, you know? So maybe that wizard would know things I don't know. And thus you can use like skills to give a bonus or something like that. But sometimes when it comes to describing actions and figuring out the environment, I do feel like having a skill system kind of, I don't know, kind of ruins the beauty of a game where you can do whatever you want. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think 
me as a person, uh, very visual. So like, while I have no problem playing theater of the mind and like occupying the space in my head of where we are in a campaign and everything that's happening around us, the environment, the monsters, stuff like that. I, it's tough for me to get into the nitty gritty of like, really getting down into details and stuff because like after a certain point i just have trouble keeping it all together in like a running image like it just i get sort of lost in the details almost so it's it's good at least for me as a player to have those kind of skills because like i'm not always going to be the best at solving a puzzle that I can't actually physically see and have to imagine. That's fair. And I do, you know, again, like I was saying before, there are benefits that come along with it. You know, again, it's like a, it's like a macro. It's like a, a way of simplifying a situation, but I do feel like when you simplify it, you lose quite a bit in the details, but you know, just because we don't exactly have like a VR D and D game where you get to like actually first person your way around gameplay, it's going to be hard to really get across the the potency of of like the mood or the atmosphere of having like a puzzle in front of you you know what i mean like having ronnie actually have you know the hydra head with the stones and the different eyeball colors like it almost makes me think if DD was a first person vr game do you think ronnie that you would have noticed the colors in the eyes as quickly because when i described that hallway i mean that was kind of the standout detail you know what I mean? I know it probably required a perception check or something, but like you almost think to yourself, if you were left to walking in the hallway with your actual vision, like, would you have oriented towards that? Or did it take would there be no, would, would it be in the case where there'd be no audio cues? Like, I wouldn't hear you telling us stuff. We would just visually see you it. just walk around the corner and that's the hallway. <laughs> I still think I'd look around. I mean, it would be a little bit, a little bit It'd take a little bit more work but I mean, like listening it, also took more work like it took i think it took just a amount of effort it just took the effort in a different place like just makes me think of like an escape room and like walking yeah into one of those i was gonna say because like mm-hmm. i it's it's see that's where something where i would do a lot better and be more inclined towards those kind of puzzles because like i would notice something like that almost immediately because i I don't know. I, I am fairly perceptive in real life about Some visual people, man. Yeah. About stuff Same like boat. that. And so like it, it, it being able to actually see it, I would be something I would have picked up on, I believe. Now here's something to throw a monkey wrench into that whole thought process though. Imagine if you and your friends went out for like a, uh, like a girl's night or like a guy's night and you show up at this place off the subway and it's like, oh, if you got this pass, you got to go into this room instead. So you walk down the hallway only to realize you're trapped in like a 20 by 20 foot space with a sub room attached to it. Nobody tells you it's an escape room, but you have to figure out how to get out of it. I don't know if you're going to be as primed to look for cues and details. And much in the same way, if you're in D&D, you're already primed to know secret doors are a thing. There are going to be hidden treasures. So the idea that players are going to be able to just naturally think to look for these things, it almost feels like, I don't know, kind of well, unfair. You know what I mean? Right there, you kind of cued at something emotion. What, locking when people? When we came the... across that, like, 
thing. It was a calm, like, emotion. Like, I knew I wasn't in a rush to go somewhere and find something. Like, I could take the time. When you made the example of, oh, we're getting off a subway and we're accidentally put somewhere else we don't know, I'd be stressed the fuck out. I don't want to be worried about looking at the stupid eyes and stuff. I'd be trying to knock down a wall. Yeah, just can uh, I break down the door I came in? Yeah. Help. I'd be wondering which of my girlfriends that I was out having a nice night out with is actually a secret spy who has a Bond-like villain who's trying to trap them. You know, and it does make you think if in the last episode when you guys had defeated the guys around the corner, also, you know, hashtag booming blade work. Um, and you guys oh, that was the first around... time I got to use Shadow Blade, I think, too. Probably. I, you know, I feel some levels of trauma coming back. But um, the, the thing is, is that the party having defeated the lizard folk and their dino companions and then gone around the corner. Now, I think Ronnie's onto something that like if you guys went around that corner and saw that thing at the end of the hallway, if you went that way, but there were dinosaurs chasing after you guys. I think in that case, either we would have rolled an investigation check to be like, is there anywhere we can hide or a perception check or something like that? And then I, maybe you could have found it. But like you were saying, like, I mean, you had the time to be creative about that sort of thing. So I don't know. Maybe that also I, says something about the pacing of games today. I mean, me also being a fifth edition baby. So I'd like just started with fifth edition. The sk- It's all about the skills, but it's like, I do like that it's a fallback because sometimes the players just are not getting, even if it's completely obvious, are not getting what the DM has thrown They're a bunch of dum-dums. Yeah, pretty much. Or like uh, it's late or too much to drink or something. And it's like having that skill to like be like, oh, you notice this thing over here. So it's like, okay, now I look more closely at that. Right. And you go yeah. back to the role play of it. You know, it is fair. It's almost like we were talking about in the last Nard bite with the whole, you know, decision paralysis where it's like, if I have infinitely many things in this room I can look at and deal with, it's going to be hard for me to pick one and try to be creative about finding a solution. Imagine if there was 10 different statues in the room and all of them had different eyeballs and stuff like that. Like, how the fuck would you have been able to find that without an investigate check? You know, I think I think one instance was a old game past that we had uh, with the yeah past campaign with the painting room. Purely, yeah, with the yeah. painting room, it's like uh, we just it like we just weren't getting. <laughs> it took so long in that room. I think I found that right away in my group. Yeah, with the Part- shield. <laughs> that's true i forgot about that that (laughs) that both ronnie and anthony's group had rose in it also rose is pretty cool shout out um and then the other group was sarah jared ryan and joelle and so it's interesting audio evidence of us fumbling through that which you know it's the risk you take as a dm (laughs) by setting up a puzzle like that but I do think that one thing that's interesting of note as well is when you're talking about, you know, fifth edition as a, as a game of skills, technically the way the game runs, it's actually not a game of skills and it's a game of attributes or ability scores. And then those skills, which you have proficiency in are used as almost like shades of an ability score. So technically you can roll, like I, I, I'm trying to think of one I've done this in the past where I've been like, if you use thieves tools, you can use that as an intelligence check or as a dexterity check. And you add proficiency to it if you have proficiency. So it's like if you're dealing with, you know, getting a lock open, that would be dexterity. But if you're figuring out a difficult trap, that'd be intelligence. So in this game, what's interesting is you really shouldn't rely on the skills 
but it's just so built into the language that gamers use that like we just set it up to be a skills-based game when in reality fifth edition's like big departure in the books is that it's like it's an attributes and ability scores game that you can add skill modifiers to if you have them you know well like i mean i know some of the old games that we've played with you in the past like there are no skills like you you literally have nothing and it's like hey man hey 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 thieves had skills yeah okay and it's all (laughs) like role role play and it's like so but not coming from way back then when that's all it mostly was it's like you don't look for as much stuff i feel Right, you know, and it doesn't it doesn't so, prime you to, to treat so, the dungeon that way. So I do think it is nice having a couple people from the like older edition days. And it in does increase it does adjust the party's dynamic. You know, again, when you think about it, that you know, Ronnie and Anthony having experience with older generations of the game versus you two being more fifth edition babies. I know there was some fourth edition stuff in there, but like it is interesting to see how you guys play a little bit differently, but in a way, you know, the heart of the game is still there and everybody's still playing D and D. So it's like, everybody's trying to make good decisions. Everybody's trying to figure out puzzles and traps and stuff, but everybody. Ronnie's just seeing the difference in eyes instantly. (laughs) So I I take into account when, if I'm going to try and suss out a puzzle, my character's actual, like, intelligence score and how curious or interested they are in those sort of things so the two characters i've played for the podcast were karskin and klika and both of them i think have a eight intelligence and are not very like hey i'm gonna figure out this puzzle like like it gets bored after a minute and karskin's just like Nah, I know I'm not the smartest guy in this room. One of these guys will get it. And if either one of them walked into a puzzle room that had dragon statues, they might be more invested. (laughs) Yeah, It's like, you know, depends on the puzzle, I guess, at that point. So it's nice that, you know, character personality can inform those sorts of creative character movements, but um, unless anybody's got anything else to say, I think this is a good point to bite off this nard bite. Yeah, just as always, check out Sabrina on Netflix. God damn it. <laughs> Why, Ronnie, don't cry. This is not a visual <laughs> medium. It's <laughs> sad. Why are you sad? Now you know my no. pain. I've had to deal with the Sabrina plug for fucking like a year now. It went away it's for a while. Years. Oh, no. I don't know when I started this podcast, but I do want to thank everybody for listening to the podcast. And thank you and good night. Hey everybody, it's the Young Grognard here. I want to say thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. If you have anything you'd like to tell me, any questions or concerns, shoot me a tweet over at YGrognard on Twitter, or send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. As always, keep it real, and more importantly, keep it dungeonous. Thanks. <laughs>